Talk 1580. Good morning and God bless. I'm Dominique DePrima. This show is called First Things First. And my first thing every day, giving thanks, giving praises, asking for blessings from God, asking for the blessings of the ancestors and the elders and getting it going. We've got a lot going on today. You know what we do. I think you do. Hour one, we look local. Hour two, we go national and international and beyond. In the third hour, we do a deep dive. But today, we are all in this election vibration, uh, election information station. I guess is the official way to say it. Um, we've got judges. That's what we have. Judicial candidates would be judges, I should say. People that want to sit on the bench in the L.A. County Superior Court are joining us um, throughout the morning. And you can get in where you fit in. You know, you guys are doing such a great job of that. 800-920-1580. Um, there's so much going on that we try to cover while still staying really focused because it is voting season. Ballots are in your mailboxes right now. You can mail them back as soon as you know what you want to vote on. So it's serious business right now, and we have everything set up to try to help you with that. So go to kbla1580.com. You can hear um, my conversations with three of the candidates for district attorney from yesterday and the ones we've done prior to that as well. They're all up there. For you yesterday, we spoke with uh, Jonathan Hatami, um, Nathan Hockman, and the incumbent George Gascon. If you want to hear those, they are available on our app wherever you get your podcasts. They're also available at KBLA fifteen eighty, where we have an election information uh, hub for you with everything categorized according to race to make it nice and easy, easier because it's you know it's really our responsibility, but sometimes it's hard to make time to know about the judges, know about all of these different races. Uh, remember to vote on down, down, down ballot. And here to help me and you figure out the landscape, what's going on. Uh, she'll be my partner in politics for this morning. Uh, she's the chair of the Democratic Party uh, Progressive Caucus. Uh, she's formerly a teacher, a STEM teacher from Watson. She's a youth mentor a mom to a son with special needs and a community organizer who happens to be also running for LA County Democratic Party Central Committee. We are um, tapping her expertise this morning as a Democratic Party um, activist, activist, mm. somebody that's active in the party is what I mean to say. Uh, <laughs> Fatima Bazubair, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. And it's great to be back. Yeah, it's great to have you on. Um, we have another, I have another um, 
frequent contributor who is also running uh, for Democratic Central Committee. And while we're not going to focus on all of those individual campaigns, because we will run out of minutes, um, th- sh- you know, she's really been urging people to to run for this um, thing that, or, or at least vote for this thing that a lot of people don't know what it is. I mean, I guess that's the ultimate concept of down ballot, right? Yeah. Um, you know, Dominique, I think you said this before, a lot of, a lot of the problems get solved locally, right? Um, the presidency is definitely important. We want to vote for, you mentioned judges, but there is this, this little known race called Democratic County Central Committee, and it really dictates, oh my gosh, sorry, one second. I'm sorry about that. Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, it, it, there's a lot of things we don't pay attention to. I think that's one of them. I do think the um, definitely the judges is another, although it seems like given what we are witnessing in this country between the 91 felonies facing our former president uh, to some of these key decisions uh, like the judges continuing to deny um, restitution to the surviving members of uh, the Black Wall Street, uh, gr- you know, Greenwood, all of these decisions, even the overturning of Dobbs, even though that's at the Supreme Court level, a lot of us have start, sort of started waking up to how important judges are and paying more attention to those judicial races. Um, whereas <laughs> L.A. County yeah. Democratic Party Central Committee sounds like, mur, 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 what even is that? <laughs> Yeah, so I'll start by saying this is a body that, you know, voted to urge Villanueva, the sheriff Villanueva to, to resign, right? So we are really the county party that can sort of make, you know, um, decisions and suggestions on how the Democratic Party should operate. If you want to know how people get endorsements on the ballot, if you are in Compton, if you're in Carson, right, if you're even in Long Beach, it's us, right? The, dis- the delegates that are in your district vote for who gets the Democratic endorsement. And that's important, right? Because that gets on a mailer. Um, Voters look for that. Um, So we also make decisions on resolutions, right? We see a lot happening around a ceasefire on Gaza, right? We hear a lot of county central committees and city councils making resolutions on these, right? And this really informs a lot of the the bodies from, you know, state governments, right? Um, It sets a precedent. And one thing I want to say is LACDP, the LA County Democratic Central Committee is one of the largest county central committees in the state, right? So we can really set the president for how we want the Democratic Party to be run, what type of candidates we want to be endorsed, who we want leading the Democratic Party. Um, and, you know, to your point, you mentioned the judges. I personally am supporting the Defenders of Justice, um, Lachey Henderson, George, George Turner, and Erica Wiley, um, because, you know, and, and we can vote for if these candidates get, get the endorsement. We can uplift these candidates in these spaces. Um, so it's, it's, a really, it's a really important body. I think uh, for those who haven't been tracking the judicial candidates closely, Defenders of Justice is a slate of uh, candidates. And they had a slate last time. Uh, they were able to, you know, have some success um, with getting... I, I don't know, I, I guess you would say progressive. I'm not really sure because judges are supposed to be nonpartisan, but they're more defense attorneys. They're more um, community-based uh, attorneys. They're more 
uh, how would you describe the, the defenders of justice? Because you can't really even say, oh, that judge is a Democrat or that judge is a Republican, that candidate. But what you can do is say, oh, look, they were endorsed by the Democratic Party, the L.A. County Democratic Party or, you know, such as that. And that gives you a sense of where they stand in some cases, right? Exactly, yes. And I think for me, I'm a fan of just getting more uh, public defenders, right, in these judge positions. Yeah. You know, we see um, what needs to be done for criminal justice reform. We see, you know, who's going to jail. It's, it's black and brown, you know, uh, folks and, and young people. The school to prison pipeline is continuing. So, you know, honestly, my metric, um, you know, as a mom, as a special needs son, um, you know, who's afraid with, you know, of him having encounters with, you know, law enforcement, um, and the like, I, I want, you know, judges in there that are understanding of folks that are on the margins. And right now, you know, I don't know the exact statistic, but I know the great majority of judges that are in there are not, you know, ha- haven't been, you know, public defenders. They're usually district uh, attorneys or, you know, come from uh, sort of the, the prosecutor side. So I think that's important to me, someone who's really, you know, understood, understood folks that needed a good advocate um, in the judge position is really important. Yeah, I mean, I think... W- uh-huh. probably folks realize it when they're standing in front of one, but it feels like um, now, you know, recently it's been more clear uh, nationally and locally. You know, you look at judges making decisions around housing, uh, unhoused folks, environmental issues. Um, mm-hmm. You know, those those of us that support uh, Black Lives Matter, <laughs> Black Lives Matter grassroots and, and mm-hmm. 33 chapters, looking at how, you know, a judge can play a key role in um, in determining things that impact not just criminal individual criminal cases but public policy. Yes, definitely. They can definitely they can set the precedent, right? And you know we have judges at all levels of government, but they can really set the precedent for you know how the law should be interpreted, whether it should disenfranchise, like you said, folks that are in house, folks that are black and brown, you know, um, and folks with special needs, or whether it should you know. Uh, make sure that it's equally applied. And and as we know, you know, right now, the reason we see such an equity, I believe, is because we have folks in those positions um, that are not understanding, you know, the lived experiences of people that have been, you know, on the margins and have some element of bias. And so it's important to get people in there that have, you know, represented folks that um, have been disenfranchised. Um, yeah. Fatima Iqbal Zubar is my guest, and you're welcome to join us in this conversation, 800-920-1580. In fact, this is a great time to call, talking about what's going on here on the left coast. Um, When we come forward, I want to look at some of the local races. I know, uh, Fatima, you ran for assembly, came did awfully mm-hmm. well, but not quite, uh, not quite an assembly person. So I know you've got some insights on this process, and probably uh, some endorsements or or races that you're following uh, beyond, you know, just uh, what we've talked about already, <laughs> which is, you know, just justices, but judges, uh, L.A. County Superior Court. Um, candidates. <laughs> but there's a DA's race, which we've been talking a lot about here. KBLA has a public safety survey that we did, and the results are up at kbla1580.com. It really does a deep dive into the district attorney's race. And I find that having these conversations uh, really affirms some of the things that we found. And so love to get your thoughts on that and beyond. This is KBLA. Talk 1580.
she's reclaiming her time on KBLA Talk 1580. More First Things First with Dominique DePrima when we come forward. Your ancestors' favorite radio station, radio station, and your favorite morning show host. Let's get back to Dominique DePrima right now. Right now, right now, we're back to me. We're back to uh, Fatima Iqbal Zubair. Um, you talk about the you are uh, over the progressive caucus, but what does that really mean? What does the progressive caucus do, um, and how is that? How does that fit in with our system? Uh, and, and you know the advocacy uh, for certain kinds of policies and, and even uh, candidates? Yeah, that's a very good question, actually. So the Progressive Caucus is a branch of the state Democratic Party. There are a bunch of caucuses. There's a Women's Caucus, there's a Black Caucus, there's a Progressive Caucus, there's a Latino Caucus. So there's, you know, diversity caucuses, and the Progressive Caucus sort of pulls the progressives from, you know, all those other caucuses, and we're the largest caucus in the state and, and the nation in the, in the state Democratic Party. Um, one thing we can't do as a caucus is we can't endorse outside of the California Democratic Party because of the one voice rule. So, but what I, what I can do is, uh, you know, give my personal recommendations as chair, um, definitely, or my preferences, mm-hmm. um, as an individual. And, and, you know, we, we, we talk about policies that, that matter. We did panels on, you know, housing, um, single care healthcare. We had one with the Black Caucus on reparations, uh, you know, because there are bills coming up there. Um, you know, we've talked about the issue in the Middle East. So we, we bring up those tough conversations that people are afraid to talk about or feel uncomfortable to talk about, but are really needed to make change. So, um, <laughs> so we'll, we'll, sep- <laughs> we'll be clear in separating your thoughts and endorsements as an individual <laughs> rather than those of the, um, of the progressive caucus itself. Um, that sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we have a, we have a couple of assembly races that are um, pretty, pretty significant. I guess the one we probably focus the most on is 57, just because um, it uh. impacts, you know, African-American community. And you have, um, you have a bunch of folks running, well, several people running that are sort of yeah. all pretty progressive and or, you know, at least liberal. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I don't know. I feel like um, those races can be confusing. Maybe it's not important because you don't have like, you know, you not unlike the California U S Senate, you don't have a Steve Garvey who's way over here in, you know, uh, Ronald Reagan, possibly Trump light land. Um, and then, you know, on the other side of, of Barbara Lee, it's, it's a little bit uh, more of a ideological uh, close pack um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, very, very good question. Um, and you're right, that is a very packed race. Um, you know, I've uh, personally endorsed Sade in that, in that race. Um, I, as, as a progressive, and you and I have talked about this, right? It's not just words, it's really action, you know? Um, and I like two candidates. You know, I like, I like Sade, I like Achille that's in the race. I feel like they've stood on progressive side, you know, of doing things and, uh, and their work, um, what they've stood for. Part of the reason I, I personally endorsed Sade pretty recently, actually, was, you know, as you know, Dominique, it's in a packed race, you know, you want and you, if you want to see a progressive succeed, you know, you need to see kind of who's rising kind of sort of to the top um, because there's so much special interest money, right? So when you have a few progressives in the race and you have 
a few moderate candidates, you know, um, it's it's really tough to see a progressive get through or progressives get through the kind of that entanglement, for lack of a better word, all that special interest money, all that dark money. Um, and, you know, I'm one one reason I'm really proud of Sade particularly is, you know, uh, that district also has a, a big Latino population and she, you know, has a name that's maybe funny sounding, but she is sticking to who she is as a person. And I think that's really admirable. And um, also, you know, she's, she comes from a, being a community organizer, a, a foster mom. Um, and I really like her authenticity in, in the race. You know, I think one thing, Dominique, as, as progressives too, and I hate this. You know, you, you and I think I've talked about money in politics, especially just money in politics. But, you know, you do need a nice chunk of change, right, to be able to get yeah. out your message. Yeah, you do. And uh, that's yeah. part of the reason yeah. I'm quoting Sade, you know, because I, I know she's, you know, raised the resources, you know, got the endorsement, I believe, of some member Brian and, you know, folks that are, are uh, you know, probably helping her, right, you know, get out, get her name out there. And I think that's, that's important. And, you know, what's unfortunate is you need so much money to get your name out, but when you have, you know, a couple of progressives in the race, you know, um, it's really important to have that, right? Because we are in a system that we kind of have to game right now. And so um, I think Sade has the resources, you know, and will represent us really well in the legislature. Mm, yeah. Well, um, certainly we've had her on the show. So if you want to hear for yourself, uh, go to kbla1580.com. We've had her, we've had Akili, um, and, you know, we, uh, we are, I think we have uh, at least one more. Um, we put out <laughs> we put out the word, and if you answer, you're on. That's how that goes. So um, if you want to see for yourself there on the website, I suggest you listen to those interviews, and you can get an idea of, you know, what you want to do. She certainly does have everybody in their mama's endorsements. I'll give you that. Um, <laughs> you know, from uh, the mayor of the city to, you know, of L.A. to... Um, members of the assembly. So that kind of makes sense. Um, <laughs> on Friday, tomorrow, we'll be hearing from Adam Schiff on this show. Um, we've already talked to, uh, obviously, Barbara Lee for, you know, in the, in the Senate race, U.S. Senate. Um, Katie Porter, for some reason, doesn't seem to have any desire to talk to KBLA Talk 1580. So, uh, I don't know that we'll be having her on, but um, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> um, well, that's really not good that she's not responding. Uh, you know, yeah, no, I didn't mean and, your thoughts uh, on her uh, not yeah, calling okay. us. I just meant your thoughts on the race. Okay. I mean, uh, it's not, race. I'm, I'm not, race, I just, yeah. I try to make it clear. I'm not like, oh, well, uh, we hate Katie Porter. No, right. we invited everybody. Right, right. Adam Schiff and Barbara Lee responded and somebody else is just, you know, mm -hmm. maybe she's not familiar. I don't know. Maybe her staff is not familiar, but you calling yourself a progressive and we, we are that. So uh, it surprises me, but that's not what I was asking you. I was asking you what you, what your thoughts are on, the, on that race. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for that question, Dominique. It's a, it's a big one, right? Because the Senate is a yeah. really important body. You know, we see a lot of things get installed there. And I believe California really should have two progressive senators, right? And so I personally mm. endorsed, you know, um, Congresswoman Barbara Lee. And I believe a lot of progressives have, you know, uh, you know, the Democratic Party, even at, at our at our uh, convention, the, she got the plurality of the vote, uh, you know, which I think surprised a lot of progressives, you know, so because I think Barbara Lee has quite a coalition of not just progressives, but 
you know, folks in the black community, uh, uh, folks from communities of color who might not even be as progressive, uh, you know, um, some of those folks, right? But, um, you know, she's gotten folks from all age ranges. And so, anyway, I'm supporting her. Here's why I'm supporting her. One, oh. uh, representation is important. Yes. No, yes. go ahead. Go ahead. We just have about 60 seconds of news, traffic, and sports. Representation, oh, yeah. one, two. <laughs> okay, representation is important. Yes. Um, two, her votes, right? She's been the only one to vote against war in many instances to vote against an inflated, you know, budget. And we need that money going to marginalized communities, not more military militarization and more wars. And she's not afraid to take the difficult stances like she is on Gaza on a ceasefire. Um, and her experience as a, a single mom, right? A single mom uh, raising a child and going to school. I think those are all unique and really important. Uh, she has a record to prove it, you know, and she's, like I said, it's, it's progressive in action and not name. And she's sort of, always been there for us and so that's why i'm personally supporting her and asking everyone to do whatever they can a phone bank for her you know uh donate to her support her in the primary yeah i mean to be clear i you know yeah i we love barbara lee around here it, you know adam schiff has been mm -hmm. on this radio station with tavis and me uh many times and um i actually like katie porter i like w when she pops up in mm -hmm. in those you know congressional hearings but um, we love to hear from you directly. It's 800-920-1580. We are KBLA Talk 1580. More of First Things First with Dominique DePrima when we come forward. Thanks for waking up with Dominique DePrima on KBLA Talk 1580. And I do appreciate you. Um, you know, we are talking what's going on left coast, what's going on around here. It is election season. Hopefully you have your mail-in ballot. You could mark it now if you're ready. If you're not... Visit KBLA1580.com to find out more. Um, Fatima Balzubair is with me. She is over the uh, Progressive Caucus here. And do you guys have, or, or, or let me ask you, are there a number of different slates that you go to? Like, are what are the sources that you look to when you're trying to figure out who am I going to support or what am I going to support? Yeah, so I, I mean, you know, I, obviously I'm a little biased because I'm the chair of the Progressive Caucus, so I make my own sort of uh, uh, endorsements sometimes and what, what I look for. Um, but I think people should look for what they're really looking for in the community because, you know, as you know, Dominique, there's so many mailers that will go out and those mailers can really see anything, Yeah. right? Um, there's a lot of special interest money. So, you know, I will say I'll shout out one of the states I'm on. You know, I'm on the ballot this year. Um, for the down ballot rate, LACDP, and I'm running on a slate called the People's Voice Slate. Um, you know, you could vote for seven in that seat, and I'm with, you know, six others. So it's me, Jana, Crystal, Jennifer, Gary, Tiffany, and Faraz. And sort of what, what I look for is how, you know, in my case, how people have voted. And uh, if there's new candidates, like, you know, there's some new candidates on my slate, how they will vote, what has the community action sort of shown. And our slate has come out openly for you know, human rights, uh, we've come out, uh, you know, for a ceasefire, we've come out um, for, you know, progressive issues in the community, we're community organizers, you know, and we have honestly, you know, gone against folks that have, you know, not voted in the community's best interest as a whole. And so I think that's, those are the kind of things that I look for, not just for my race, but like for when I look at, you know, races from the top of the ballot to the bottom of the ballot. And I would say for, uh, for follow on social media, follow, you know, the radio stations, the the newspapers that you support, whose policy parties you, you've been supporting, what they've been talking about, and see who they're talking about and who they're supporting. Um, I think that's really important. 
Um, how are we feeling, or how are you feeling, I should say, about Proposition 1? This is, um, you know, it's um, mm-hmm. uh, dealing with mental health, right? And the, the, the mm-hmm. I, I think it's adjacent to the unhoused person's crisis. Um, it's, you know, it, it's a state bond that would raise um, money to build treatment facilities, also affordable housing, and it's coming out of <clears throat> the state budget, I guess, rather than taxes. This has been endorsed by the L.A. Times. And then it's also an amendment of the Mental Health Services Act, which, um, you know, back in 2004, the, me- the measure of tax income, income over $1 million by 1%, would keep the tax, but um, would reallocate some that money to new mandates on counties to spend more money on housing and expand to cover uh, people with addiction and mental illness as well. So more funding for housing units, mm-hmm. more treatment beds. It's a bit of a reconfiguration. Well, not a bit of. It's a major reconfiguration of the way we spend money um, for unhoused folks and mental health treatment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Um you know, from what I've seen from it, and um, I, is that I, I'm not currently supporting it. Um, I, you know, I've, I've, I've not been a supporter of the care courts either. Um, you know, I'm a supporter of dignified mental health care that's sort of not forced and, you know, putting people in, you know, uh, sort of treatment centers, um, you know, without consent. And I believe in dignified care. And so what I've seen from this, it seems like, yeah, they're, they're, they're throwing a lot of money. They're reallocating money you know, at an issue that's a very real issue, to your point, right? Mental health and folks that are unhoused, you know, a lot of them have, you know, uh, mental health issues. But there's also, like, you know, I think the housing crisis is a multifaceted issue. But for this particular uh, proposition, I don't believe this is the answer. You know, um, I believe that we need to be focusing on, you know, uh, dignified care. And it sort of reminds me of kind of hurting everyone with mental health, you know, issues and kind of, forcing them into beds and into treatment. And I don't think that's the type of, you know, large scale care that we need, you know, uh, care really needs to be local. It needs to serve the community and meet the community where it's at. Um, okay. I'm, you know, I'm going to say something to you that I say to a lot of uh, progressives that come on the show <laughs> and even to myself okay. in these kind okay. of internal okay. conversations that I have with myself, you know, that's a Gemini thing. We talk to mm-hmm. our, our other self, but <clears throat> I feel like, progressives uh, really are in a bit of a quandary when it comes to dealing with the severely mentally ill unhoused because it sounds good to say dignified care and it sounds good to say deal with it locally and it sounds good to say no one should be forced into treatment but then you look at what's actually happening right now and there are people who cannot make decisions because they are so mentally ill that they're, you know, they're not obviously in their right mind. They're not capable of making decisions. So uh, what does dignified care look like in that in in that um, case? And what does it look like to be responsible to the people that live and work in those communities, um, especially working class communities? They're not gated off. They're not this. They're not that. Um, how does that look? You know, it, it seems like that those good intentions that we have as progressives have made us non-pragmatic to the point 
where the platitudes are ending up leaving people on the streets who are dangerous to others, dangerous to themselves. So what do you do? You know what I mean? I, I just don't think just saying, oh, well, this and this, you know, we have these, you know, we want to be humanitarian. We want to, yes, we want to, obviously, we want to respect people's rights. Yes. But I, I feel like as progressives, maybe we lose sight of like being practical about how you deal with someone who's literally not able to take care of themselves and out on the streets. Yeah. The first thing that comes to mind to me is as progressives, we think about issues intersectionally, right? There's many social determinants and you're right. There's a spectrum of mental health illness, you know, to your point, right? There are folks that are severely mental, mentally ill. What I will say is look at the deep rooted issues of our healthcare system, right? And you look at countries that have things like Medicare for all single payer healthcare, and they don't have the type of crisis we're having, Dominique. You know, they're taking care of the folks that are severely physically ill. I mean, you, you don't have to convince me there. I mean, yeah. Fatima right. Bazibar, we should, we should yeah, have Medicare right. for all yesterday. I mean, it's it's an economic right, issue. Right. It's a community yeah. health issue. Mm-hmm. It's a an equity mm-hmm. conversation, right? Um, access to exactly. health care. Yeah. But that yeah. ain't coming the day after tomorrow. At least, I mean, it'd be great if it did. I don't see it. You know, we didn't. We weren't able to do it when we were flush. And now we're supposedly broke. I don't see it happening in the next week and a half, you know, to two years. So what do we do right now for all these people that are dying on the streets, that are attacking people on the streets? I mean, I am not trying to demonize anyone or take away their rights. But I see things with my own eyes on these streets of L.A. that, you know, concern me. And to your point, they would be addressed by Medicare Care for All. Um, not just actually physical mm-hmm. health stuff, too. And you see a person lying on the sidewalk with a colostomy bag, you know, right. which I've seen. But what do we do right now? I, I don't think we can wait for, you know, Medicare for all or for our, you know, government to suddenly become completely moral and responsive. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I, what I look, honestly, when I ask this question as a progressive, as just a community person you're living here in South right, LA, honestly, right, right. is that it's not okay It's not okay to do solutions and, uh, on a mass scale when they're not done right. Ironically, this is taking me a bit to the climate crisis, right? We hear the same, I know they don't seem related, but we hear the same sort of thing, right? We need to transition really quickly, we need to do this, we need to do that. But if we don't do it keeping workers in mind, for example, if we don't do it right, it's not right. So I think I apply the same logic here. Like, I see real solutions. I mean, I see you know, um, what different city councils are doing, different counties are doing, diverting funding from the police, bringing it more into social workers and mental health care providers when they're dealing with folks with mental health crisis. You know, and, and you're right, that needs to happen on a mass scale, but I think that's up to us as grassroots to really mobilize at our city councils and our counties, right, to get this done quicker, divert the funding towards actual care. Because, you know, we know right now, Dominique, a lot of those folks that you're seeing on the streets, you and I are seeing, are being dealt with with police that have no training on this. And so they're caught in a cycle of, you know, care that is not really working, right? So it has to do with, like, really us activating our, our you know, city council members at counties, right? Not even, I'm not even talking about state government necessarily. I mean, we need, you know, yes, more investment there, yes. But really, um, that's what I mean is diverting some of that funding locally at the county and the city level into care, into social social care, right? Uh, social well-being, mental health care, um, and, and, and housing, right? Okay, some of those folks need to get off the streets. I mean, we're seeing you know, sort of like what's happening when we see progressives get elected, like Nithya Rahman, by the way, who I want to uplift, you know, today. I hope we can talk about that race as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, LA City Council District 4 and, and Isabel, you know, in uh, District 14. But 
when we see progressives get in, Dominique, and think differently about these issues, we see these problems getting solved, right? And the problem, though, you're right, to your point, it's happening in their district. It's not happening large enough. It's not happening countywide necessarily, right? Um, and so my answer to you is we need to do it right. Just because we have a severe crisis, we cannot, you know, get to the point where, okay, you know, if this proposition passes, it'll help, okay, 10 to 15 to 20 percent of the most severely mental health. Maybe you're right there. But what's it going to do to the other 80 percent? Right. Are they going to get the care they need? And I believe the answer is no. So I think it's our job as as progressives of grassroots to really be going to our city council meetings, our county meetings, and really pushing forth on those issues. And honestly, talking about today, elections, getting more people elected right to those local offices who really believe in those things. If you're just joining us, we were talking about Proposition 1. And uh, but I want to I do want to leave time to talk about some of these local races that you just mentioned. We'll do that when we come forward. Fatima Iqbal Zubair, Dominique De Prima, and your unapologetically progressive spot, KVLA Talk 1580. The station you turn to when you've had it up to here with cultural incompetence. KVLA Talk 1580. Broadcasting live from Lamar Park, USA. Welcome back to your home for unapologetically progressive radio. KBLA Talk 1580. Fatima Bear is my guest. Uh, let folks know where they can find you. She's the chair of the Progressive Caucus. She is uh, working on becoming a member of the Democratic Central uh, Democratic County Central Committee. Yeah, the name alone. Um, tell us where we can find you. Yeah, sure. And we just wanted to say, too, I'm a current member of the Democratic County Federal Committee, so I've seen some of the good things and some of the not-so-good things in there, um, and I, that's why I'm kind of motivated to legislate to, to change it and not just myself. But you can find me on Instagram. I'm at um, Fatima, F-A-T-I-M-A-I Zubair, uh, or Fatima Iqbal Zubair, actually, at my full name. I'm also on X, or, you know, previously called Twitter. Um, and, you know, you can you can reach out to me um, there through those those means. Um, and yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing, for letting me share, rather. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, Nithya Raman, uh, who's running for mm-hmm. re-election. Um, and she's, you know, she is a progressive, right, on the Los Angeles City mm-hmm. Council. Uh, she hasn't been there too, too long. She's representing District 4. She's an incumbent, but she's an incumbent who's mm-hmm. facing really fierce um opposition uh, and, and major fundraising, um, including by the L.A. Police Association, a.k.a. the police union, uh, to unseat her. Talk to me uh, about that race. Yeah, you know, I think what we're seeing in progressive politics in L.A. is when we're seeing progressives win, we're seeing massive campaigns backed by special interest, dark money like you know, uh, you know, like uh, the Peace Officers Association, like the Apartment Association, like, you know, folks that are not representing, right, the most marginalized, uh, uh, put independent expenditures against these candidates. Um, and I think, I just think I want to flip, you know, that race. Uh, progressives for sure have had, as, as you probably know, some, you know, concerns with some of the votes of uh, Councilman Nithya Rahman, but she has been transformative in so many ways, and her opponent would be, you know, so much, so much worse on things like, uh, you know, he would support criminalizing the unhoused, you know, he would um, not support diverting, you know, the budget towards more, you know, what we were talking about, uh, mental health care and, 
care and, and you know, um, and NICIA has really been transformative, particularly in the arena of climate justice and housing. You know, her district has seen significant gains. And I think her election, you know, uh, she ran, uh, Dominique, during my, my first run for assembly. Her election really inspired others to run and got folks like Councilwoman Eunice Hernandez in there, um, you know, Councilman Hugo Soto Martinez in there, and now Isabel in CD14, right? Uh, is, is really kind of following in, in sort of that movement's footsteps, and I hope to see her in there as well. Yeah, um, you're talking about, um, well, she's actually got two opponents in that race, right? Ethan Weaver mm-hmm. yeah. and, and LaVon Baronian. Um, for me, it mm-hmm. I, I don't get to vote in that race because I don't live in that district. But for me, mm-hmm. the fact that progressives are being targeted um, because of certain mm-hmm. votes that they might take, in this case, you know, uh, voting against that police budget, um, that that to me is just reason alone to support someone. Because if we're going to allow, you know, law enforcement <laughs> to choose our elected officials, th- then we have a police state. I mean, I, I know that sounds like hyperbole, but I don't think it is. If we allow, if we allow the police union to choose our mayor and our city council members, and the city council members and the mayor are the ones that are supposed to be supervising overseeing the police, um, then you've got the tail wagging the dog. And I, I have a problem with that. Um, so, you know, it don't, to me, and I hate to sound like that, but it almost doesn't matter who her opponents, uh, really are for me, just the, the fact of a progressive being targeted, um, which, uh, you know, one could make that argument about the L.A. County District Attorney's race. Uh, when we come forward, I know you want to talk about Isabel Jurado and, uh, leave us with some final thoughts on this in this election season. Uh, Fatima Iqbal Zubair is my guest, and you're welcome in. It's KBLA Talk 1580. Say the quiet part out loud. loud. KBLA Talk 1580. This is KBLA Talk 1580, where hate meets a scholarly match. Uh, we're going to have to get you back uh, on, Fatima, because uh, we haven't even touched on all the many, 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 many environmental issues that are in play right now. And certainly I know that's one of your areas of expertise, but you wanted to weigh in on uh, the race uh, for the seat currently occupied by disgraced, racist, uh, anti-renter, former city council. Oh, well, he's still on the city council. I I, I wishfully say former uh, council member Kevin DeLeon, who's running for re-election. There's a whole bunch of folks in that um, in the hunt for that seat. Um, but you tar- you focus on Isabel Jurado, who has been in here, by the way. Um, what did you want to say about that race? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, as I mentioned, I think she is one that's unap- unapologetic in her background as I believe like a tenants rights lawyer and her community involvement. She's really, you know, built up a viable grassroots, uh, you know, campaign. And I think is right on all the issues, right? I think when it comes to housing, when it comes to police reform, um, you know, uh, when it comes to understanding marginalized communities, I think, you know, I, I, we just, we just need it. We're seeing, you know, uh, what's, what's uh, happening when we get folks that are, Sort of, I don't I hate using the word establishment because not everyone the establishment is necessarily bad, right? But we see <laughs> we see what happens when we see the usual type of folks rotated at LACD Council. I'm just saying there's a pattern, right? There's a pattern of what's happening. And I think, you know, when and we see the difference when we get folks like Nithya, Yanithi, and Ugo in, and, and it's clear with the votes, right? Who's voting for police reform? 
Uh, you know, I, I don't want to discount folks like Council, you know, Marquis Perry Dawson and, and folks like him that I've been doing good work. But, you know, you see, you see what, what happens when progressives get in, right? And so, um, I think that's important. I, I also want to uplift really quick. I know we have a few, a couple, maybe 10 seconds, but, um, got measure a couple HLA, minutes. I'm, I'm for yes. <laughs> oh, a couple of minutes. Okay. Yes on measure HLA, that's going to create safe streets. Um, you know, I think that's also a really important measure to talk about. We talk about traffic accidents and, you know, and needing to invest in just safe streets for pedestrians and folks that are walking and biking and even, you know, driving a car. So that's important. I just want to uplift that as well. Yeah, I was shocked at how many people in L.A. get killed by cars. I mean, by people speeding. Right. It's, you know, it's right up there with leading causes of death. Um, especially for kids. So, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, and a lot of us, are, you know, th- so, there's some perception, I think, that HLA is just like a revamp of this sort of, what it was, the traffic diet, which was just dumb. It was like, let's close down lanes and make even more traffic jams. So how is this different? Yeah, so that's, re- I've seen that opposition sort of uh, campaign, you know, kind of saying those sorts of things. I mean, this is not really about that, right? I think safe streets actually should mean less traffic, right? And should mean safer, <laughs> safer traffic. So I think it's just a, the, the issue of, of messaging. And, you know, this is what this, this measure is not going to increase taxes. I think it's going to improve 2,500 miles of streets, which is really significant. I mean, if anyone has a has a kid or is a teacher or, you know, knows young people and those folks with disabilities, you've seen, you probably know someone that's gotten in an accident, right? And probably gotten severely injured or, you know, even maybe killed. So um, I know this is really important. This is one of those issues for marginalized communities where we need our streets to be safer. I mean, I think it's a popular issue. Um, and then I hope, uh, Dominique, I can kind of shout out some voter guides. You asked me about some slates, but I wanted to shout out some progressive voter guides. Okay, now well, you have 10 okay. seconds. Go ahead. <laughs> All right, 10 seconds. Let's go. Okay. All right. If you don't know who to vote for on your ballot, go to the Knock LA Voter Guides. Knock LA has great recommendations. If you want something a little more unbiased without endorsements, LAS, LAS.com, um, you know, has... Uh, great, uh, it just lays out all of the all the choices and explains it for you know those down ballot race awesome, uh, uh, awesome. From, you know, all the way up to the bottom. So. Well, Fatima Iqbal Sibar, you can find her at uh, you can find her on Instagram under her name and t- Twitter as well. Thank you so much for joining mm-hmm. me today. Thank you so much for having me. It's always great to be on with you, Donnie. Absolutely. News, traffic, and sports, and then judicial candidates galore, okay, including Christopher Darden. We'll be hearing from him. He wants to be an L.A. County Superior Court judge. All that straight ahead on KBLA Talk 1580.